before he started watching MMA, this young cat was a wrestling fan. Oh man, this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> so come on now, I want to know. Let's this talk guy about knows that. his stuff. <laughs> It may be chilly outside, but hey, you know where the good time rolls, and that's right here. Because once again, season two, let's do it one more time. Getting real with your guy, Raleigh Smith. Oof. And my guest today, I'm so happy because I got a fellow Long Island here. And not only that, this man is on the come up. And y'all better recognize where he's going to go. Yes, sir. The only person that I could be talking about is... The one and only, Fumi Turbo Nakuda. Talk to him. <laughs> How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, Ron. How you feeling? Hey, man, I can't complain. Look, we, we, we both inside warm and cozy. So you already know we're, 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 we're at a good start right now. Oh, 100%, man. I had to leave this house for breakfast this morning. It almost ruined my whole day. Oh, man, look, I had to go outside. I had to go outside just to check out the, the place out. And everything is set up. I got shoveled, my boots. So when Ooh. it's all done, I'm like, well, time for round two. Time to get to work. <laughs> While he may be coming up in the game, this is something that he's been doing and believing in for a long time. Very long time. But let's just get into the one thing that I think everyone needs to understand is that while this, while this young man was on the come up with kickboxing, Taekwondo, wrestling, jujitsu, getting that all together. The real thing came together in the beginning because before he started watching MMA, this young cat was a wrestling fan. Oh man, this guy knows his stuff. So come on now. I want to know. Let's this talk guy about knows that. his stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Where, where did that love come from, from wrestling? So I had, I told the brothers and they were much older than me. So they started watching wrestling when they were, I think it was around like WrestleMania 10 or so. Oh, but okay. I was born, man. I just, I don't even remember my first time watching wrestling. I almost came out of the womb watching wrestling. You know what I that, mean? So, that's how it always goes. You know, you never remember the day you, you, you got the wrestling bug, but you're just so happy that you didn't want to go away from it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was At this point, it was, it's almost like something that's, just a part of my life, you know, the wrestling entertainment aspect, you know, I, I loved it, man. Even growing up, watching guys like The Undertaker, watching guys like Stone Cold, you know, and then my favorite wrestler of all time was also my brother's favorite wrestler, Bret Hart. He was, ah. I liked him a lot because, you know, he got in the ring and scrapped like all the other guys, but he was always about his business. He wanted to be the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. So he's a guy I can live after, you know, it's a guy I can really, you know, take after um, and look at it as a role model, man, you know? See, and it's, I'm glad you brought Bret Hart because I was watching a lot, during quarantine, I was watching a lot of his magic. My best friend, that's his favorite yeah. wrestler. I never understood Bret because I, to me, when he was a baby face, I thought it was kind of boring when he spoke, but he was always a really good wrestler. But when yeah. I saw him turn heel and with <laughs> the Hart Foundation, yes. that sold me. That yes. sold me. I'm like, why did I not, why did I not watch this guy for the beginning he's so fantastic he's been look man and i don't a lot of people like to talk bad about bret hart man but he kind of started the attitude era he was on the, you know he mean, started he, the new he, generation yeah that new generation of attitude era because he was that first guy that kind of you know when the Hart foundation thing was going on yeah. he got in vince mcmahon's face you know what i mean he, he dropped that whole promo on him like 
that whole promo, man. He did all that before Stone Cold, The Rock, and all those guys did. So, look, he might be one of the best ever. Look, I may, I, I may be, I may come at you and be like, I may have another guy that come at you. I say, I may say AJ Styles is the best oh, ever. Man, I may say that to you too. because, come on now, that's, that's a good brother. one too. Look, he's phenomenal. Need, come need on, I say more. Need I say more? <laughs> he look. I will say AJ Styles, man, his resume is incredible because he made his name everywhere. He was one of those guys that went to TNA. He went to ROH. Yeah, man. You know he what I mean? Everywhere. And then and then he went, I mean, the guy took over every company he's ever been in. So look, I can't argue with that too. I loved how you said the, your first real introduction to MMA was because of Ken Shemrock, because yeah. you remember him from wrestling. And I I was in the same boat as you because I saw Ken Shamrock and I'm like, what is he doing? He's <laughs> wrestling. What is this? And that was the true introduction of MMA going. So now yeah. with seeing him and you're, you, you remember him just being what he was back there. How was now you just seeing this and being like, whoa, this is totally different. Yeah, man. I remember when I first, flipped because I was just flipping through the channels I, I think I was just bored on a Sunday um and once I saw him man I was because I'd watched boxing before and I'd liked kickboxing but this man was totally different because they weren't just standing up it wasn't a all right someone goes to the ground standing eight count right you right I mean? these guys were scrapping on the ground and one guy was trying to get up the other guy was trying to stop him from getting up so I was just like man like one Ken Shamrock's got to be pretty damn good to one be a pro wrestler and do this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? oh yeah, the man's but, a world dangerous like, man. Yo, it's hey man, I believed it. I was like, you know what? At first, I thought it was like, you know what? It's probably just his gimmick. But once I saw him in the ring, I was like, look, he might have been the world's most, <laughs> man you know. But um, nah, man, that was uh, that was a cool transition for me to see because I saw how one guy was able to be successful at one thing, but. Man, I didn't I didn't know that that was his roots. I didn't know his roots started from there, you know. So it was kind of cool to see someone almost grow through that, right? He became, you know, an MMA fighter, then a pro wrestler, and then kind of went back to MMA, and now almost floats in between both, right? So exactly, is it, is kind of cool. He's almost he was one of those guys, man, that made paved the way for a lot of guys now who want to go from MMA to pro wrestling, right? There wouldn't yeah. really be more of that right. if it wasn't for Ken Shamrock. I think Ken doesn't get his credit for that, you know, because I think yeah. at a time he came at an era where, look, like how everything with MMA, MMA was looked really in a bad light, you know, yeah. as, as, you know, cockfighting and like why in the, and a lot of states didn't even, you know, legislate them to be a live sport. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think Ken was like, now, when he came up to now, I think he would get more respect and more appreciation from oh, the nationwide world. I, I, 100% thing. So I think if he came up now, man, he'd be one of those big stars. Yeah. Everybody his name, you know? You know, look, unless you're, you're an Attitude fan, of course you remember just Ken Shamrock just doing him, you know? But of course, it's hard to find people who knew about the MMA days. Yes, 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 yes. So now you see, you're seeing that and you saying, you know what, I'm intrigued by that. And you're just going through yourself with these other athletic sports. What was then the, the, the click to say, I want to do MMA full-time. It was it was that same night I saw Ken Shamrock fighting Tito Ortiz. Same night, that same Sunday, when I first flipped it on. And after the fight, I saw them wrap the belt around Tito. Mm. 
that's when I was like, that's what I want. That's what I want. Because growing up, man, I, I liked, and this is one thing, man, I really enjoy about belts, like, right, the one-on-one belt system as opposed to playoffs and tournaments and best five out of this, right? Like, I, you know, when you're playing basketball, all right, you got to win four games, you know? You have, you have essentially seven chances to get it right. right. You know, even in, even in football, right? You lose a couple games in the in the regular season. Look, man, you still win that wild card game and go on. You could still be a champ. Right. And then, man, for wrestling, you know things like that. You got one chance. You got one shot, one opportunity. You have your worst day has to be better than your opponent's best day. That's true. So that's something that I always admired about the pro wrestling belt. It was one on one. It was mano y mano. One guy has to come out on top. And yeah, these guys might have not liked each other, but it was skill for skill, will for will. And then in MMA, when I saw him wrap that belt around Tito, I was like, okay, that's the belt I want. That's That belt has to mean a lot more because, you know, I love pro wrestling, but nobody's giving you the belt in MMA. You got to go out there and earn it. You know, that's, that's one thing I love about the sport. That's the only way to get it, you know. I mean, yeah. nothing, nothing's handed to you, you know. In the end, it's just you and your opponent, and whoever breaks will will lose, and the next man will 100, win the title. A hundred percent. Look, man, my my mom always said it best: "There's no smart people, only hard workers." And honestly speaking, man, in this sport, mixed martial arts, you could be handed a lot of opportunities. We've seen guys almost be given gimme fights, right? But you win that belt, you win that belt. There's, there's no substitutions about that. That's the truth right there. Your mom, your, your mom was in, in line one point on that. But yeah. just but just speaking of that, all right, you, you committed to this and you say, I want to do this. But as everybody knows about MMA, this is the glitz and glamour people look from the outside. But on the inside, this is a hard road. You know, th- this yeah. is not something that is just like, boom, I'm going to do it, went up, and I'm going to get paid buku money. Yeah. It's a road, you know, it's so... Fun. How, how were the, from you beginning your start, how was that road for you and not just you, but just your family? Uh, it was a tough road, man. And um, I mean, it's one of those things where when you're, you're kind of on your come up, you kind of have a dream and a vision in your head. You could see it, but a lot of people can't. Um, and, you know, my, my mom liked the fact that I was active. You know, she liked the fact that I was, um in sports, do, doing things, right? She didn't necessarily love MMA. She thought it was very violent, right? Of course, of course. Just, just, just like a mama would. I understand that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 of course. And, and you know, you got to give her that. It is it is a pretty violent sport. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, I think I, I went about it the right way. I went about it not really trying to take damage. You know, I think a lot of guys, they want to start training and immediately they want to take a fight, right? They just want to start training and immediately they want to hop into sparring. Um, I, man, when I first started training, man, I, I think it took me like, uh, I want to say about half a year maybe to start sparring. And this is like when I was young, when I was 12. So I maybe sparred once or twice, took a couple years off, was just training, you know, then I started training jujitsu. Then I joined the wrestling team. So I'm not really taking damage doing these sports, right? I'm kind of learning, drilling, with jujitsu, you know, when you're actually in the live work now, you're not taking the damage you would as doing the live work in boxing or kickboxing, you know. So um, 
I feel like I did a good job not taking damage coming up, which, you know, kind of made my mom see a little bit, okay, he's not a knucklehead. He's not just going <laughs> to go in there and just <laughs> try and brawl and scrap it out. Um, but, that, but I think that's the whole mindset. That's the whole theme of my journey is try and get to the top, but do it in a safe way, man, because the money ain't going to be there forever. True. And and this sport, man, me, my body being able to compete and last in sports not going to be forever, right? So knowing I have one shot, knowing I have one opportunity, you got to take your risk. You got to you gotta go all out for it, but you got to protect your mind and you got to protect your body. That is completely true. And you just brought up something to that I wanted to bring up with you, you know, the hard choices, you know, those, 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 those decisions that you have to make for yourself. And because only yeah. only you can see that vision. Because, yeah, everyone who says, oh, you oh you do that fighting stuff or you, you want to do all that scrapping stuff, but they don't really get it. They don't really fully yeah. understand that. So you have also had to make a big decision for yourself when you had to, you know, go to college. You know, yeah. you, you to a point you want to decide if you wanted to train at TriStar and oh, oh yeah, this this guy is good, man. Come on, man. See, you may be a scrapper, man, but I'm scrapping all the knowledge, brother. I got you. <laughs> oh, you know stuff, Ron. You I do what, I, I do what I can, my guy. So this decided of that. And then also, too, you getting you, you saw you getting a scholarship to Hofstra. What pushed you to make that full decision to go to Hofstra? So actually, what made me go to Hofstra was the fact that um, Concordia University, which was in Montreal, where I wanted to go, it got back to me late. Um, the way it worked, I mean, I don't know if it's still like this now, but I had to make my decision by May 1st. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I got my Concordia accept acceptance until a little bit later. So, I mean, I was just kind of waiting and waiting. And Canada's where I actually really wanted to go. I went there, I'd been there a couple of times. I have family in Canada. Um, I visited TriStar, like, like, like you were saying. I met Varas, you know, with my, um, with my stepdad and, uh, and my mom. Um, and man, that, that's where I was gonna go is Montreal. I was prepared to learn French and everything, Boy, you, you know? You were yeah, I was prepared, man. But um, May 1st is coming around the corner and I was like, look, I gotta go somewhere. So we're so <laughs> going to Hofstra. And lo and behold, man, I ended up at Sarah Longo, the best team on earth, man. And everything happens for a reason. Your heart was set on one thing. You know, this is the only thing I wanted. I wanted to learn and do everything I can for this one place. But it's crazy how life goes. You know, yeah. the one thing you never expect could also be the best thing that you, you can choose. And look what it got you, man. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Like, look, man, I think... It's, it's tough, right? Because you got to kind of find that balance between giving it everything you got and being stubborn enough to try and get that goal, right? And try and get something. But at the same time, be willing to just let life, you know, set the standard and take you by and, you know, let God direct your steps. Um, That's true. Right? So they always say, you know, a man has a plan in his heart, but God directs his steps. And uh, luckily, man, I ended up at the best gym in the world. I'm speaking to Fumi Nakuda and... Now we now we're going to now you're uh, beginning yourself with Sarah Longo Gym, and you mm -hmm. you're learning, you're progressing for yourself. Is there anything during that time period where it got more eye opening about this is what you're this is the road you want to be on? Yeah, man. Um, well, my whole thing is this, man. Once I was twelve, I decided I'm doing it. Right. Right. So it, at that point, even when I was fourteen and I you know went through bumps on the road, I was still doing it. When I was sixteen, 
same deal, 18, 20. Um, there did come a point though, man, where I, where I hit some hard spots, man, where I hit some rough moments. Um, you know, money was tight. Right. Um, you know, at one point, man, it was, do I pay for gas? <laughs> so that way I could drive to the gym and, you know, drive to my job, you know, and, and, you know, still do school or do I, you know, save the money for food? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's the, is that was, balance? Like that's, that, that is something that people don't talk about, about being a fighter. Yeah, that those are the tough moments, man. And it goes back to sacrifice, man. Like at one point I was I was sleeping in my car underneath the parking garage of Roosevelt Field Mall, man, just man. for warmth. <laughs> you know, like I, I remember because it was dead in February. It was cold just like this, a little snow on the ground. And I tried just sleeping in the parking lot. And I'm like, dude, this is too cold. <laughs> <laughs> too cold. So I went to the parking garage of Roosevelt Field Mall and I was just like in the corner. <laughs> You're just like, go on my body, please. That's all Bro, I need. And it's, and it's tough, man, because you don't want to sleep with the car on all night. So you turn the car on. Right. Then you turn it off, go to sleep for a little bit, wake up a little cold, turn it on, warm oh, up. Oh, man. So, so you're not even really getting, you're not even really eating because you don't have the money for food. That's, you're not sleeping because mm. you, you can't sleep. So that was probably the toughest moment, you know, in, in my in my pursuit of my uh, professional mixed martial arts career. Cause when I hit that point, man, it was like, all right, I'm do or die now. There's there's nothing anybody could say about me not wanting it enough. There's nothing anybody could tell me about not being good enough. I've went through it all. I've, I'm willing to go through it all. And I proved that to myself in that moment. Um, and now in me proving it to myself, I can go and prove it to the rest of the world now. So. That was a tough moment in my life, but hey, I made it through. Who inspires you? Who 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 gives you that energy to be this the, to get this is the, the power to push through those times when you feel that you can't go anymore? I, I gotta be honest, man. During those tough times, God got me through. Mm. I did a lot of praying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I did a lot of praying, a lot of you know, just talking to God, man. Because in those situations. You see something in your head, like we're saying, you see something in your head, but reality is totally different, right? Right. So it's like, it's kind of easy to imagine yourself as the world champion, you know, when you're on the come up. Right. Or even you had the belt, or, you know, if you have the belt or have had the belt, it's easy to envision that. But it's kind of tough, man, when, you know, you got no money in your bank account. It's kind of tough when, you know, food's, you know, running dry. Now it's hard for you to even train, right? It's like, damn, how do I even envision myself as a world champion? I don't even have a place to live. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then, you know, in praying to God, you you kind of start to believe a little bit more, right? That vision in your head starts to kind of come out a little bit. And even though it's in your head now, it doesn't matter what you see around you anymore. You still know it. You still hold on to it. And then eventually, man, it's always going to come through, always. And those moments are going to be the ones that you look back on when you reach that top. You know, yeah. and then the reflection comes of being, it was worth it. You know, those hard times when you felt like, I don't want to do this, man. Or like, why am I putting myself through this? Then when it comes up, you'd be like, yeah, it was worth it all in the end. And I did it. A hundred, a hundred. Look, man, even to be honest, where I am right now, I, you know, I'm surrounded by good people. I train with the best in the world. And it just so happens that those guys are also people that I can call my family, my brothers, you know what I mean? Like, Ray Longo, he's he's like a mentor to me in, in many more ways than just fighting. So for me, even just right now where I'm at, 
I'm just thankful, man. I'm very thankful. I have a place to live and I can train. And now, man, I don't have to get up with the stress of, shoot, where, what am I going to do? Where am I going to sleep after training? Now it's, all right, it's go time. Now I love this, man. I, it almost lit a little bit more of a fire under me, you know, because I, since I made it through that. You need that good energy to keep you up in, in those hard times. And that's, that's a wonderful to see. Yeah. And, that, and as you move and progress, because then you move over to your amateur hours and then yeah. your amateur career, what, in your mind, was your expectations of what you wanted fit into what you got? I honestly thought, man, I was going to, you know, be able to blow past everyone, make my pro debut rather quickly. Um, I mean, a couple of injuries set me back. I broke my hand about twice um, in a couple of different places, actually about three times. Um, I ended up getting a cyst that I had to get surgically removed. So I was, I was going through a lot, man. Those are tough times, but um, luckily at least I didn't take any losses right during yeah. that, you know, MMA career as an amateur. Um, and I was still getting the experience, still training, still, even though I didn't, you know, get to where I wanted to be, I didn't get to make my pro debut in 2018. At that point, I was sparring 15 minutes straight with Aljo. I was sparring with Marab at that point. So I was getting my feet wet going with the best in the world. So look, man, as, as much as I wanted to make my pro debut, getting to work with those guys, yeah. man, was probably better than anything I could have wanted, you know? Because, you know, that's the only way you're going to grow. Continue to learn, learn to keep pushing yourself through that. And with 2018 and 2019, you're, make, you, you're, getting, you're getting to the rounds. You're getting through the ropes to grow and progress. Yep. And, put your, and also just let people know that watch out for this guy. He's coming up. Yep. But I think it's more crazier that your debut, your debut fight in Bellator, you know, if we're going wrestling, right? You go with the UFC <laughs> as WWE. People look at Bellator, at Bellator as like WCW. We're gonna go, go go in that that direction. Yeah. How? Tell me that. Like you made your debut in On Bellator. Like look at that. Thousand seats, baby. Come where, on. Where was where was Fumi's mind at? Like were you lost in the lights? I'll tell you what, man. I honestly wasn't. And this is where we go back to you know having such a great team. A couple months before this, Ray had actually, you know, his his, you know, he gets hurt now when he travels a lot, man. He's mm. he's been through everything that guy, right? You you could put that guy through. So, you know, in terms of being able to corner people, sometimes when a guy would have to go to China or Japan, I would have to sub in for him, and then I would help with the corner work. So, I had gone to China at that point and cornered Mizuki um, Inoue, who fights for the UFC, in her UFC debut that August. Right after that, I got to corner um, Oka Sasaki in Ryzen. So here I am, you know, just a kid by myself at that point. This was about two months or three months earlier. I'm cornering these guys in some of the best shows in the world. I'm cornering people in the UFC now. I'm cornering people in Ryzen, all thanks to Ray Longo, right? So by the time I fought for Bellator later in October, man, it was just another walk in the park. You know, I, I wasn't really phased by the big lights so much or the big hallways. It was almost like, all right, not only am I used to this, but I belong here. You know what I mean? I, I, I deserve to be here. I don't, I'm not wondering, oh, should I be here? Or, no, man, I, I know this is what I've been working for. So by the time we got in that ring, lights, camera, action, baby. I was ready to go. What, what was your mind going through the moment they raised your hand 
in, the, in your first pro victory, what was the first thing you thought about, if you could remember, <laughs> that, you, that you thought about? I wish I got to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I, I, honestly, man, that's if I could change one thing about they, that debut, I wish I got to finish. But once I heard him read 30-20, I think it was 30-26 or 30-25, um, I, I dominated the fight. I didn't get touched. You know, I, I couldn't be too hung up on that. I was just really happy, man. I had a good showing. You know, a lot of people were telling me they loved the opening to the third round when I came in with the body you shots. Playing, you you know, weren't playing around there. No, nah, no, nah, I never do, man. So it was, I was happy I put on a good performance. Do I wish I got the finish? Yes, but, you know, I got the finish in my, in my next fight, so it's all right. Again, when we talk about the plan, we talk about the sacrifices you make, yeah. right there, we just come back to this. The sacrifices, those times when you look and like, man, this is all worth it. Look what you did. You came yeah. with your first victory in Bellator. Who who told you that you couldn't do it, but you believed it? I believed it, man. I, and, and that's one of those things is when you're always looking back and even when you're looking forward, right? This is the mindset you got to have. And this is the mindset I keep with life, mixed martial arts and, you know, everything, right? When I'm 40 years old or 80 years old or even 30, man, I don't want to be looking back and think, man, I wish I did this. Right. I wish I did that. Ah, what if I gave up on, you know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I don't think I'd be able to look myself in the mirror as a man. And, you know, if I did quit and give up on my dream, you know what I mean? I, I honestly don't think I could. So to have that bell tour win, it's like, man, now looking back, it's like, dude, it was worth it. And now even going forward, I know when I get to the UFC, when I get to, you know, that belt, when I make it to the top of that pound for pound list, I'm going to be able to look back and say, damn, it was worth it. You know, sometimes though, after it already happens, the world sees it, but before it happens, only you see it. You know what I mean? You just got to keep working and make it happen. I'm speaking to Fumi Nakuda right now. And let me tell you all something right now. This man has the vision set of what he wants to accomplish because okay. right, because right now, not only is he continuing to grow for himself, he's getting prepared for a big fight for him, his self going against Alberto Pereiro, five and one. So when you look for yourself yeah. and it's the best of title fight for yourself. Yeah. Seeing that mountain, the mountain of that fight against him, what do you believe you can do to grasp, to, to get that big step forward? Mm. And, and, and win that belt. Same thing I've always been doing put my head down. I work hard every single day. I work smart every single day. Um, at the, and at this point, man, we've been training for this title fight since the last one, since my last fight in October. All November, all December, we've been training 25 minutes. Why? Because we want to be able to go 25 minutes, of, go through 25 minutes of hell, right? We want to be able to push a pace that we know this guy can't keep. At the end of the day, man, you know, you talk about looking at the mountain ahead of me. I don't look at this guy like a mountain. He's just another man. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I'm a hardworking man. Like my mom said, there's no smart people, only hard workers. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of the hardest damn workers in the sport. At the end of the day, because of my hard work, I'm going to get that belt. And with that too, because it's also something that is, is something that a lot of people talk about, at least with your weight class. A lot of people don't give the lower classes the respect they deserve, you know, Bantamweight, bantamweight, you can say they get a little bit more respect. Yeah. Yep. Flyweights, 
rarely get the love they do. I mean, look, straightforward. We talk about fighting and we talk about the best in the world. Demetrius Johnson, man, there's no man that you can say was one of the great, the greatest and the best. He was. But you don't see this man going on on, on, on ESPN. You don't see this yeah. man going Good Morning America talking his stuff. The brother, the brother's yeah. a gamer. He's a you you would think that he would be all over each Twitch, each game exposure, but yep. his peer buys were so low. And because yeah. what you're trying to do for yourself and grow, is that the fear of even as good, good as you can be and as great as you are, and the things you could accomplish and will accomplish down the road that they won't give you respect that you deserve only because of your height and the weight class you're in? No, not at all. The reason I say that is because any person who's watched any one of my fights, whether it's an amateur fight or pro fight, has walked out entertained, has walked out saying, damn, that guy's good. Damn, that guy's fast. Damn, that guy is a better mixed martial artist than every other person I saw on that card. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, the, you know, some people might not care about the flyways, this and that. I think they do now. You know, I, I, I look back at that Dave Configurado, Brandon Moreno fight. And a lot of people were invested in that fight. And that was a damn good fight. Right. I think it won fight of the year. I know that when I step in the ring, I don't just bring the technique and skill with me. I bring the personality. I bring the flame. You know, people want to see Turbo compete in that ring, you know, not just any other good flyweight. So as far as people, you know, me worrying, oh, about the weight class and this and that, I'm not worried. They're going to want to come and see me fight. And, and I think the people also want to know, too, look, nicknames come sometimes out of the blue but we gotta find out what made you come up with turbo where did <laughs> turbo pop through from so it actually wasn't really like a good nickname at first right um because i would actually rush the combos a lot in training hmm. so one of my coaches eric hired during his class he would you know, let's say you all would throw like a jab cross hook leg kick i would try and throw it so fast and you so much of my speed, it would come out clunky, wrong, terrible. The technique was garbage. You would just be like, look, slow down, Turbo. Ah. Like, Calm down, man. And then eventually, you know, I started getting the technique right. Started, kept on calling me Turbo. And then other people kept on calling me Turbo. The technique got better, but the speed stayed. Mm -hmm. So now when I'm called Turbo, it's not a, hey, man, slow down. It's a damn yeah you really are turbo <laughs> you know hey, look at that ah yeah you gotta, you gotta you gotta make lemonade with the lemons you're handed in life you know and that's what i mean by nickname nicknames can come from any space of the world and they come at the most random times and yet when it clicks you just yeah turbo. <laughs> that's what i'm talking about it just clicks man and, and i remember i was seeing at the time i was like shoot like i don't have a nickname and you don't want to come up with your own nickname because that's kind of whack right yeah, like exactly yep yep Exactly. It's hard, man. When we, in our head, we think it's cool. Like, yeah, that sounds dope. But then you say it out loud, and you're like, oh, crud. That's like, eh. You're like, eh. And also, you can't refer to yourself as something, right? To Somebody's got to, if you talk about how great you are, you'll probably be good. But if someone else talks about how great you are, you know it's, you know, verified. You know Legit. what I'm saying? So, waiting for that nickname, I was like, oh, shoot, man. I don't know. I got, I got nothing right now. They started calling me Turbo. I was like, shoot. Now they're making a joke of me now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, man, do I even want this moment? Come on, guys. <laughs> but then, you know, it ended up being a good thing. I ended up, you know, using a lot of my speed and people were saying, shoot, turbo. Then I started, you know, saying when I step in that ring, it's turbo time. And then it really stuck and people started loving it. So while we're seeing all this great stuff, 
and how your the future looks so bright for you coming up and your big opportunity coming for a title fight. You, and like every other MMA fan in the world through last year, everything was shut. Everything yeah. was stopped. And as you know, both of us being from New York, how hard it was, especially over here, when yeah. it was just like night and day. Like it was Brutal. like, it was, it was insane. And not just with, with the virus that was going on connected to a lot of things that were going on with police brutality, racial injustice. Yeah. And I saw back that you posted a video, something that I, re I relate to, and a lot of people yeah. like us do relate to, of, I believe the video was called Police Correction, where you know the, the things that we're taught when you're stopped by a policeman. Yeah. Now, just seeing how the world was during those those that time in 2020, what were your what were your feelings when the videos were coming out and just seeing everything that was going on? Like, what were you? What, what was your mind at? Man, it was um just even going back to that time, man. That was such a I mean, it was a difficult moment, I guess, for everybody, man. You could really feel that. Um, and even just seeing the videos, it was, it's rough, man, because, right, at, at the same token, it's like we see stuff like that, and at the same time, people can't work, and at the same time, money's, man, it was uh, it was heartbreaking, man, for, you know, for a lot of people, white, black, everybody, but even yeah. just seeing like that, man, it was, you know, it's kind of sad, but you're almost kind of glad videos like that come out because it shows people, hey, look, this is still around, man. Right. You know, because one thing I hate is when I talk about situations like that and some people think, hey, man, you know, isn't, isn't that because you're putting your mind in that situation? I'm like, and it's like, no, man, I'm, I, I we try and actively avoid these situations. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Again, sometimes we have to go way out of our way more so than we should have to, to avoid these situations. So, it's it, it was sad to watch, but at the same time, now it, it kind of gave me something I could point to people and say, "Hey, look, this still happens. You know, this this is still going on." <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if it's twenty twenty, man. Like, look, did just because something happened in the sixties and the fifties, it doesn't mean it's gone away. It's still here in your face, and I think that's what it, that's what it gave us, man. Like, it showed people, like you said, it was a reminder of like this is still a thing. Well, I mean, I don't even want to say it was a reminder, at least for people like us, because we know. Right. But it was also a reminder for the world. Like, people have no idea. There are still sundown towns mm -hmm. in the United States. And you and I know what a sundown town is, but the average yeah. person doesn't. A sundown town means that when the sun goes down, your black ass gets inside because the, the laws no longer apply to you anymore. Exactly. That's what exactly. happened to Emmett Till. It turned out he didn't even whistle at the girl. He was in a sundown town. They saw him. He was out after dark. Boom, laws no longer apply to you. They can make up whatever story they want. You know, so it, it's one of those things where it, it just, it was a reminder for the rest of the world. We obviously know what's going on. And it's, um, I don't know if you could kind of tell a little bit of the anger coming out. I know, look, look, your energy connected with my energy when I felt yeah. that, man. It was, it was just a wide open thing. I've never felt that frustrated in my life with that. But then yeah. also too with it, it gave me another opener of about, the people in that we connect with, that yeah. it, it made you really respect, not respect, you love, love the people that you know that they don't look at you in nothing more at your skin. They look at uh -huh. you because you're you, and you love yeah. me because you love me. And that's what you want the world to be. 
we're yeah. all gonna have our disagreements. We're all gonna say believe and think we don't believe it. That's okay. The only thing is that look, let's we, we can live. We can live. We and can live, man. We can live. We can live together, hundred percent. I have friends who are cops. Actually, a couple of my one of my best friends is a cop in New Jersey, and the other one trying to become a cop in Suffolk County. And they're two of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. You know what I'm saying? So there's nothing wrong with cops. Exactly. And I think that sometimes what people get it confused with is, you know, when they when you say there has to be a change, they think you're talking about, oh, all cops are bad. No. And it's, it's like, no, nobody's saying that, man. But what we're saying is there should be a change because if I can pull up a video for every single day of the week of someone who looks like us getting killed, doesn't that show that there's a problem, right? Shouldn't that show that there's an issue? So it's not so some people take it as oh man, there's an issue with everybody. The issue isn't with everybody. It's just that we have to fix what's wrong. And once we ex and once we just acknowledge the problem and work together to fix it, that's when we that's when we can get better. You know, hundred percent. And when the people that just don't want to move because they're set in their ways, you gotta let me look. Either you get on board or you get out the way. That's yeah. It. That's just that's, that's just it. I'm speaking to Fumi Nakuda. This has been a really good discussion we've been talking about. Just getting to know this young man, seeing out this brother's ideas, his dreams, and where he wants to be through his life. And with all that, man, before I let you go, before mm -hmm. I cut this and let you go shovel in the snow like I'm going to do, put on my boots up and just shovel all I'm, that up. I'm, I almost want to keep this podcast going. <laughs> I, to get out there, right? I, I, I wish I could, man, but look, man, snow's probably a little too hard for my side. But <laughs> before I let you go, man, this is what we we do at the end of getting real. Right. We just call the shout out time where we give our love and appreciating the people that have lifted us up and kept us going through everything we've been through in our lives. So, for you, Fuminakuda, this the floor is yours. Show your love to whoever, whoever you want to give it to. Of course, I got to give my love to my family, my mom, my two brothers. Um, of course, all my family in South Africa. But without those, without those guys, first and foremost, I wouldn't be who I am today. Um, I wouldn't have grown the way I have grown. I wouldn't have had the even just right the just the little things, man. That that you know, are instilled in you when you're young. I wouldn't have that today if it wasn't for my brother. I don't think I would have been tough if it wasn't for my brother. I don't think I would have been loving if it wasn't for my mom, right? So I gotta I gotta give it to my brother and my mom for that. Also, Ray Longo, best coach in the world. Aljamain Sterling, he's gonna win the belt March 6th. Don't forget about that. Don't forget about that. <laughs> don't forget, y'all. <laughs> don't forget. And also, I gotta give it up to the, to the rest of the Sarah Longo team, man. Steve Lee, Delemi, Bazooka, Nas, the, those guys, because um, in terms of my mixed martial arts skills, I wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for that Saralongo team. And e even then, man, you know, talking about some of the things I've been through in my life, these guys who have been in that gym have helped me get through a lot of it. So we're more than a team in the gym. We're a team outside of the gym, too, man. And um, I got I to gotta give it up to my, my friends, my family, and uh, my gym. That's it. Before the day comes when your top big top fight comes, if you can go back and tell young Fumi, who was a young wrestling fan, getting ready for himself, popping up and just then transitioning to see his first MA fight, what would you tell him to get him inspired or just to keep him encouraged to know that no matter the <clears throat> roads and the bumps you see, 
you will make it to the other side. What would you tell him? I'll tell him, look, man, it's, it's going to be, a, and honestly, you know what, man, I've had this conversation with myself because sometimes that's the way you have to think in order to make it past an obstacle, make it through things. And so when I do have that conversation with myself, I always tell myself, man, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but we're all human. And as a human being, we are strong as ever, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? You can make it through anything in life as long as you just do what your mom said, work hard. That's it. Doesn't matter what you go through. Doesn't matter who tries to stop you. Doesn't matter what gets in your way. Doesn't matter what outside forces try and get in the way of whatever dream, goal, path that you want to set yourself on. You work hard. You'll get it. Keep working hard, kid. Can we say anything better than that? My name is Ronald E. Smith. This right here is Turbo Fumi Nakuda. And this, y'all, I think we just got real. Thank you very much. We'll do this again. And I'll see y'all.